0: This is part two of the RE episode. This is going to be even more interesting because we are going to have an open discussion with our guest speakers and answer some broad and deep questions.
1: We're joined once again by Roseanne, Tina and Mick. Hey guys, how are you doing?
2: Good, thanks.
3: Good, thank you. Hi, everyone. Going well, going well.
1: Thanks for joining us again. It was lovely to have you in the previous part. You guys all had some wonderful answers, lovely interpretations on each of the questions.
0: Yes, we really enjoyed it. And um, as I said, this is a broad conversation, so feel free to say whatever you want and whenever you want. So let's get started. Um, our first question is simple, but not simple, but basic, but still like very difficult to answer. And it is, why do we or should we believe in God? So what benefits does religion have? We'll start with Tina. Sure.
4: I think um, um, the first is that nothing that science has ever discovered has explained the existence of the universe. And but yet we see that the universe is—it has this beauty and an order that it really suggests that someone created it. Um, religion, just like anything else, has. It has its positives, it has its negatives, but the positives definitely outweigh the negatives by a lot. Um, We see a lot of negatives portrayed on the media, especially um, in regards to the Catholic Church, but um, reality is the truth isn't fully portrayed in the media um, about the beauty and the richness of the Church. Um, We just have to be open um, in finding, in finding what the beauty and the richness
2: is. Yep. Mick, do you want to go next. Um, yeah. It's a, as you say, it's a basic question, but it's very, very difficult to answer. Mm. And each one ends up answering it in their own way. Um, for me, I've had my doubts about kind of different times in my life, but i uh, mostly doubts when I was younger than than. Uh, as I've grown older, so for me, it's uh, God is a real experience in my life. Uh, God's always been there. God shapes what I do in each day. Uh, I I don't uh, I don't know if I'm still in touch with how people uh, who don't believe in God how how they see the world. For me, God's an essential part of the way I see the world now. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure that I have many answers for other people, except that it makes it makes strong sense for me.
3: Yeah, I think coming off what um, Mick's saying, I think um, the answer to this question is so subjective, not because it takes away from the truth, but because God is a personal person. Um, because god is real everybody has their own personal encounter with god and so um you know for me why why should we believe in god i guess i think for me it's because god's always been a constant in my life and i spoke about that in the first part about how god is a constant and, and god's not changing and um and perfect and loving and i think um, when you have a taste of a relationship like that um and you encounter god personally in your life and have that real experience like Nick was saying um yeah, it changes you and you can't walk away from an encounter like that and it becomes an integral part of your life. So I think um, for me personally, why I think we should all what the benefits are is because, um, you know, having the creator of the universe uh, um, have a personal encounter with you and to be known and loved by that, I think, yeah, um, holding on to that and encountering that, it's almost not like a choice, like you don't walk away from that. Um, yeah. I think that's what I would say to that question.
1: Like, I'm going off of Roseanne, like what she was saying, like um, when you have your own encounter with God, you can't really let go of it. Like, even though we're made to go to church, like when we're young, um, as you grow up, you have these closer encounters with God um, and you've just come to realise that he's become such a big part of your life, you can't really miss him. Um, that brings me to one of my next questions, so like, isn't going to Mass important as a Catholic? Do we need to go to church to stay in touch with our faith and to be true believers?
2: I'll come in on that because I was thinking about that in relation to your theme for the year and uh, in different situations so I've lived in places where where there's very few people in the church because uh, as I said in the last night, I, uh, I live the last 15 years in a Muslim country where we were maybe in a big city of a million people, we were maybe 20 Christians going to church in that situation makes a lot of sense because each person who doesn't go, everybody's looking around saying well what's, what's happened? So in a sense your theme this year about you know many many parts but we are one um, I think sometimes we think we don't matter in terms of the big picture but when one person is missing in fact the rest of the community feels it and the rest of the church feels it and if there's no babies crying in a church there's something missing if there's no young people in a church there's something missing if the church is only there with old people then the the body is less complete and i think that's where the uh, i think that's where the you know, each one of us does make a difference in our presence. Yep.
3: I love that answer. Me too. That's beautiful. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I love that. And I think, um, yeah, that encapsulates it perfectly with your theme especially. But I think the idea of, you know, God delighting in us having those personal relationships with him, I think the beauty of the Catholic faith is found in our mass, you know. The truth and beauty is... And the richness of it is found in that because yes, we're called to you know um, to personal prayer and, 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 and worship and things like that. But in but by going to church, going to mass and receiving the Eucharist, receiving the body of Christ, that's the you know the summit of our of everything that we believe in. And um, and to know that we can only receive that by going to to mass is such a gift. I think it was um, Saint Padre Pio that said. You know, if we knew the true, um, the truth of, of the mass, the gravity of the mass, if there was a war happening, you know, um, outside, we would risk going through that to get to church. Like, um, yeah, the, the beauty and the richness and, and the gift. It's almost like I think not going to church is like being given this gift um, for our birthday, for example, but never, never um, unwrapping it. You know, and so we can... The gift's there. We've done nothing to deserve it or earn it. The gift's being given to us. But if we don't go, the only thing we're doing is not unwrapping it and making use of that gift. That's how I, that's how I personally perceive that.
0: Beautiful.
4: Honestly, nothing to add to you guys, um, but, yeah, like Roseanne was saying, the Eucharist is the source and summit of our, our Catholic faith, and nowhere else can we receive that, other than church, Um, and nowhere else can you be in the physical, like the physical presence of God. Mm,
0: Speaking of that, like one body with many members and like being one, how are like God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit one thing? Like we as Christians, we believe in Trinity and that they're all one. Um, we've had this discussion before at school, and there were so many like points of view and perspectives. So, yeah, what do you think?
4: The Trinity. The Trinity is such a. Um, it's
5: a complicated
4: thing. It's, yeah, it's complicated, but it's it's one of the central mysteries of our faith. Um, my understanding, as easy as I can explain it, is that there are three divine persons but one God so God the Father who is fully God God the Son, Jesus who is fully God and God the Holy Spirit who is fully God Um, so there's three divine persons but one God and they all they are all equally 100% but it's not like, I don't know if that makes sense, it's not 100 times 3 which equals 300% it's like if you want to use maths you gotta, you gotta do one times one times one equals one. Um, but yeah, we can never. I don't think we can. We can ever fully understand this mystery.
3: Um, yeah. Mm. I think the beauty of that, Tina, is when I was younger and people used to say, you know, this is a great mystery and we're not made to understand it. I used to, um, used to battle with that a little bit. Like, oh, why can't I understand it? Like, I want to figure it out. And as humans, you know, the unknown can sometimes. Freak us out, and if something doesn't make sense, it's like oh, that's too complicated to comprehend, and so we walk away from it. But I think um, when I it landed for me, when I realised that God is God and I am not, and so of course in my in my humanness, I'm not going to grasp the concept that's so big and so foreign. And so I think one of the analogies that helped me understand the Trinity was um, I can't remember who said it, but I remember they, they explained it as like for example. Um, if I was if I was married and I had children, so I'm Rose, the woman, and then if I had a son, say his name was Peter, and say um, I'm Pe- to Peter, I'm Peter's mother, and say I'm John's wife, and John, um, I'm John's wife, Peter's mother, and Roseanne, the um, Roseanne is me, a single person, but I'm still one person with three separate identities or beings. And some people explain it as like a fruit, like an apple, for example. It has the peel and it has the core and it has like the flesh or the stem, all these different parts, but it's one. And I think using analogy sometimes helps me understand. And yeah, they're not perfect and it's not an accurate representation fully, but I think when we can understand that one thing can also be three, um, it sort of gives us a little bit of insight into the concept of the Trinity. And even if you were to look at it as one, um, person like myself I've got my heart and I've got like my flesh and I, so all my mind my flesh and then my soul it's three separate entities but it's still one being and I think that's sort of what's helped me understand it I'm not sure if some people might listen to and be like she just made it yeah. so much like, more confusing but um analogies sort of helped me understand and they were some of the ones that I've listened to throughout my time that have helped me grasp the concept just, just a little bit and also learning to just trust that yeah, I'll never fully understand the mystery because God is God and I am not.
0: Yeah, the way I interpret it sometimes is like water can be in three different forms, like ice, liquid and gas, but it's still water, so it's still the same thing. And I've said that before, like God can be in three different like forms, like human version and spiritual version and like God. Yeah, that's just the way I understand it. But there are so many metaphors that, you know, ways
2: we can interpret it. What I find beautiful in all of that is that each one of you has given different uh, analogies which are so true and, and, and in the end but haven't really haven't really answered the mystery but give you another way of looking at it and you know St Francis, uh, no, what's his name, the, the great Irish St. Saint Saint Patrick, his idea was the three-leaf clover and that was the way he explained to the, to the Irish how, how the Trinity worked, that it was one, it was one stem but with three, uh, three leaves which were, were bursting from it. So, you know, even the great saints have had to use analogy to try and get a little bit close to, to what the Trinity is about. And I think it's wonderful that, that it is a question that sort of plays in our mind from a very young age and even at an old age we won't, uh, we won't have the answer. And that's
1: where faith comes in. Yeah, that apple analogy, Roseanne, I really like that one because it's like you can keep peeling away at um, like the surface of what the question actually is until you get to the middle, but you won't actually really get to it. Um, so my, my next question is, like it's another very broad question, but um, lots of people can interpret it in different ways and there are probably many answers for even one person. Um, what does God look like?
0: that's just impossible to...
3: I'll, um... I can start. Um, oh, <laughs> Tina's, Tina's smiling. Like, that's not a little question. <laughs> um, I... I love this question, personally, because I love that God um, is so different for so many people. Like, if they were to describe what he looks like to them, you'd hear so many different answers. And I think... All of those answers are true because if God, if we are all made, if the truth is that we are all made in the image and likeness of God, and we are also different, how beautiful and diverse must our God be? You know, and and I think um, one of the most beautiful things about you know what does God look like is that God looks like exactly what we need Him to look like in our life, and that that answer is constantly changing. You know, God meets us where we're at, and I think the beauty of God is that we can't contain him in a box or this identity or this, like, this this shape or image because God is a being and he's exactly what we need him to be. And I think, I don't know if any of you have watched the movie The Shack, but um, it's brilliant. If you haven't seen it, watch it. And God... Um, appears to this man that's hurting because he's I'm not going to give away any spoilers in case people haven't watched it but appears to this man that's hurting because he's lost one of his children and God appears as a mum and in one of the scenes the man needs to go and confront something that's been um he's been battling with for a while and the character appears but it's this like big man and he says oh today you're going to need a father for what you're going to do and I love the idea that, you know, God God meets us like that. And I think it also comes to the Trinity because, you know, you know, he came as a human, as Jesus, and then when Jesus had to go back, he says, I'm going to give you, you know, a comfort. I'm going to give you your advocate, and it's better for you that I leave you with this. He almost knows what we need and meets us there, meets us at our level. And so my answer is that, yeah, God doesn't look like just one thing, but he appears to us as what we need him to look like look like at different parts in our lives and i think that's one of the most beautiful truths of you know what does god look like yeah that's my answer for that one that
6: was lovely
2: i've got nothing to add to that one
0: yeah it remains a mystery so another impossible question is there heaven or hell Um, I, I think, well, I don't think they're like physical places. I think they exist, but not as you know, like, like rooms or-
5: In a just Like a
0: place where you go after you die.
2: It's maybe uh, something. Yeah, I know. don't know <laughs> <laughs> we we'll, we'll all know one day, I suppose, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> but I think sometimes, uh, I think sometimes we have a taste of heaven. And we have a taste of hell. Yeah.
3: Um, like
2: if there's something there, uh, maybe heaven and hell, uh, you know, it's, a, it's about eternity in that state. But there are moments when we, we do taste heaven and we do feel as if we're, we're in a world, in a situation where, you know, we're, we're in good relationship with everyone around us. Where we feel loved, where we feel capable of loving, uh, where yeah, everything is is in its right sort of orbit, if you like, and that 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 is those little tastes of heaven. And then at other times, we nothing seems to go right. Um, we seem powerless. We seem in despair, and uh, that nothing will ever get better. And, and those are the little tastes of hell. And at each time we, uh, we hopefully find people who draw us away from the dark towards the light. And um, I, I think heaven and hell exist. And I, I think uh, even in an eternal sense, we make choices in our lives as to whether we create heaven or whether we create hell. And that's a very important part of that question is, uh, are we contributing to an eternal heaven or to an eternal hell for people?
1: Nick, I really like what you said at the end of that. Like, We know that God is forgiving eternally, but whether or not we want to make a contribution to where we want to go, what we want to make of our lives, that's up to us as well. Um, so, uh, our next question was like, "What's your interpretation of heaven or hell?" Or heaven or hell. But it sort of already answered that one. So, do we want to move on to the next one. Um, sure. Um, so,
0: what should someone do if they are like, confronted by non-believers about their faith? How can you like defend yourself? Because there's so many people that are just like, like, why do you believe in God and what? Like, What are you doing? So how do you reply to that? Well, I think... Verbally or
3: like any
0: other way?
4: I think it really depends on the situation. Like, in a physical sense, we're speaking, like where you're at, who it is to you. Um, But above all, I think the way you approach them is always to, to love them. Because if we believe that... Um, God is love himself then everything that we do should be a reflection of him so to treat them with love um, and treating someone with love doesn't always have to be like you have to be kind you have to be nice which is like of course you do but as in um, trying to to like to walk with them and to journey with them and meet them where they're at um, you know we can be the hands of Hands and feet of Jesus here on earth. and I, I really, I've, I heard that once. Someone said we can be the hands and feet of Jesus, but it doesn't mean that we have to go out, um, change water into wine, or um, you know, heal people physically. Um, which that that'll be great. Not that we can, we can't change water into wine. But um, you know, living living out our faith, it doesn't always have to be verbal or with big gestures. Even though it can be. Um, it can be done by just simple loving actions.
3: I love that. I think one of the um, uh, things that helped me um, come to terms with that question is I was listening to uh, Bishop Barron before he became a bishop, and he's in the United States. And he was talking. Uh, he was answering a question that somebody asked about how do we. You know, convert people, or how do we bring people to the church? And I think when you first come to the faith, sometimes, you know, when you're full of his zeal, you feel like you're you're called and, you know, you take the scripture of like, go and make disciples of all nations, and like you take it and try to run with it and you're on fire for the Lord. And I think he answered it so perfectly. Somebody asked him and he said, We never bring people to faith or to the church by Bible bashing them or, you know, going out and like trying to convert people. He says, the way we draw people in is if we first live the faith fully ourselves. And he says, when we live in, in, in the faith and it, it's beautiful, people are drawn to beauty. People are drawn to love and beauty. And so if we make it our focus, not to look externally and be like, oh, how do I bring all these people to church? Yeah, there's a time and place for that. But I think if we live that every day, people are drawn to beauty. And if we make the faith look beautiful and something joyful, people, God opens the doors you know he opens those conversations people will ask you know why do you have this surreal peace or why are you so happy in this thing or you know where do you get your hope from and and that those doors are open but I think um, we get there by us living in it fully first and rather than always looking externally to make it our goal to live in it fully first and then have people be drawn to that life because it's never us ultimately it's never us anyway that converts people, it's our duty to, you know, plant those seeds and exactly what Tina said, be people of love and trust that our Father does the rest.
1: Um, so, like, we all want our friends and um, family um, to be at peace and to n- know what path, know the good path that they want to turn to. Um, but the one thing that probably for some of us, is, is the path to turn to is to turn to God or to turn to Jesus, um, but how can we lead our friends and family down the right path without pushing our own faith and beliefs onto them if that's not the path that if that's not the path that they turn to?
2: Yeah, I'm with uh, well, I'm with Rose there on what she's just said for that question as well because I think uh, you know you you. Saint Francis of Assisi said the same thing: "Preach with every with every breath, and with every step, but don't you don't need to use words." And I think sometimes we want to, when we feel we have the truth, we want to impose it on others. And I think sometimes we need a bit of discipline that uh, the truth that we have, we we live and we live out of that, and. Uh, if it's really true, it will do its own communication. We don't need to be to be beating up people with telling them to do this or telling them to do that. They'll get the message if we're authentic. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's
6: a
0: good answer. Um, so how can we like refer to God, Jesus, and his teachings to people who could be offended by it? That's like kind of similar to what we're saying. And Matthew you said that like you lived in many different countries and um, you've met people from different backgrounds and cultures and religions. So how can we kind of like talk about our faith but in a way that wouldn't offend them or in a way that wouldn't be against their own faith?
2: Yeah, I'm a great believer that uh, I, I talk very little about my faith. This this occasion now is very different for me. I. I really have learned for so long because, uh, um, yeah, even the slightest word that you come out with that relates to religion is going to be misunderstood by somebody who doesn't understand your own religion. So even if I say the word Jesus to a Muslim, that Muslim person knows Jesus. Jesus is, is, uh, is there in the Quran but it's not the same Jesus that I know. So immediately I'm dealing with a a person who has their own um, their own filters around the word Jesus. If I say God, um, again, you know, a Muslim or a, a Jewish person is going to have their own filters around who God is. So I've become very distrustful of words, I think amongst people who share the same language, yes, you can discuss, but uh, once you're with people for whom the word doesn't have the same meaning, I, I really go back to just living correctly, according to the beliefs and the faith that we have, and let, let God work through us in whatever way God wants.
3: Rosanne, do you have anything to add? Um uh, not uh, not a great lot to add to that, but I think um when I used to what I used to battle with with that was that sometimes I'd be like, Oh, but am I letting God down, you know, if I don't you know, am I being weak in my faith if I sort of don't talk about it? And um is that wrong of me? And you know. But what I learned, I think somebody once said to me, you know, God's like a, a lion, you know, you don't need a defender. You don't need to stand up for it and convince the world that this is a lion and like the lions are not going to be upset, you know, because the lion's secure in its identity and it sort of reveals its strength by itself. And I think God in that sense, you know, he doesn't he doesn't need us to get out there and like defend him and make him known and like solidify him in his identity. God God can get yeah. you know, you know, he's the creator of the universe is pretty, pretty solid at what he's doing. You know, so I think, um, I think exactly what Mick said. and Going back to what I said before, I think um, when when those opportunities present themselves, rather than you know thinking, oh, should I say something now? Am I going to offend that person? To really bring it back to, am I living as a Christian first myself? You know, am I living that tragedy? Am I making the faith? look beautiful and living it out in its truth and you know and sometimes that's that's all we're called to do and to trust that with our small doings with our futile little efforts of just being people of love and and living out christianity to its fullest god can take take that littleness and take those seeds and make something beautiful out of it and we won't always see the fruits of that you know if you think of a tree an apple tree or something going back to these analogies the person who plants the seeds is not always the same person who reaps the who reaps the fruit and eats of it. And the fruit is the last thing to grow. There needs to be somebody to get the garden ready, there needs to be somebody to water it, somebody to prune it, somebody to look after it or whatever. And then the fruit comes. So our our parts in these people's stories and the people that you're talking about that we might meet, whether it's our friends that are on the wrong path or people we encounter, our our part in their story might be planting the seed. And you're not going to see an overnight conversion you're not going to bring people to the faith instantly but we trust that we're going to plant this seed by us living in it fully and that there will be people you know or god that will come and 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 hear those prayers of ours and those those requests of ours and water those those seeds and to trust that everyone's on their own journey you know and that we're only called to do our parts and trust that there's a big god who will do the rest i think that's um yeah that's what i like yeah today. so we don't
0: have to like tell people or force them to believe in god it's just your own like, yeah.
2: relationship with God, and that's all that matters. I'd like say don't right. forget what Tina said earlier too about being, uh, you know, the hands and the feet of God, which I think you used during your school assembly today. You know, and that uh, that little idea is a... I, I think it's a very practical way of, of living the faith, which doesn't require words. You know, it doesn't... Not speaking about our faith doesn't, take away our responsibility to do something which is flowing from our faith. And I, I think that's important there.
4: I think we can, yeah, Roseanne was saying something. <laughs> but we can be like, she um, was saying something along the lines of, we can be like the vessels of Christ, of Jesus, of God um, on earth, but also at the same time, like, people... Um, people are always going to be offended by, like, there's never going to be, we can never, we can't walk and live our lives with tiptoeing. And if our faith is like means something in our life, then we shouldn't be afraid to, you know, to, um, to talk about it. But obviously, like, like I said, like Mick was saying before, like language is very powerful and I think it's the way that you approach things.
3: Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tina, that's a really good point, actually, because, like, if we look to Jesus, like, where do we, to compare our answers, you know, to look to Jesus, I think that's a good um, uh, center point to go to, and he was always offending people, you know, like, he, he was always, like, super controversial and, like, didn't hold back and stuff, and, you know, time and place for everything, there were times when, yeah, he was flipping tables and was doing things that was going against, you know, the norm of those times. But there were also times when Jesus held back, you know, when, when he was, you know, questioned, are you the son of God? He, you know, and he, he had those really cool answers, you know, where he said, well, it is you who say I am. And he didn't stand there and like try to defend himself and tell them who he really was. He, he knew when um, he had the wisdom and the grace, you know, um, And I think we can always ask for that. Ask the Holy Spirit to give us that wisdom and to illuminate our minds and tell us, you know, um, discern those moments. Is this a time for me to speak or do you want me to act here or do you want me to hold back and to be really honest with that? Um, Because, yeah, it is always changing depending on the the context as well. I agree. That's a good point.
1: Yeah, that message, I love that message that Jesus gives, like as long as, um, God knows who you are and as long as he's in touch with you and as long as you're in touch with yourself then then, then that's probably one of the greatest states of mind to be. Um, so religion isn't as relevant in today's society especially like in youth and young people as it once was. Um, it's unfortunately not as big as a part of our lives anymore. Uh, how can we as a Catholic school and community make it relevant once again, and make it a bigger part of our lives.
4: I, I love this question, because like it's true,
3: but like I knew you were gonna love this question, Tina. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I think
4: a lot of people, young, older, it doesn't matter. They stray away from even exploring religion, um, exploring God. Because of what they've what they've heard, and they become focused on the moral teachings of the church, um, and that scares people sometimes. But what we should be focusing on is having a relationship with God, and everything will flow from that. Um, it might have you know some waves, but <laughs> it should flow from there. But I'm not saying that moral teachings aren't important because they are very important to our faith. Um, you know, faith gives us it gives us purpose, direction in our lives, um, in our live life, in our life. It gives us inner comfort and peace. Um, and we tend to focus on when I say we, I'm just speaking in general. Like we tend to focus on behaviour first rather than belonging. So if we can focus on belonging and making people belong, then. After that, we focus on behavior. I don't know if that makes sense. So, like, um, if... Um, um, sometimes, yeah, sometimes... Sorry, I lost my train of thought. But, you know, sometimes we focus on, yeah, the behavior rather than belonging. And, like, often I hear people say, that person doesn't belong here because they're not behaving well. I don't know if that behaviour doesn't belong here, but it's like if we can allow people to have a place of belonging and make them feel welcomed, make them feel loved, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. We were talking like um, about ACYF and how um, like it's kind of rare to see young believers now. So I think that's yeah, kind of... What we're experiencing in in real life. Um, okay, so I'm sure you've all had your like own experiences in, in life, and um, so do any of you have any advice for us as the youth of today and as the student student leaders of our college? Um, I
3: think the if I was to give any advice to um, someone in school, I think um, I would encourage. Well, I always this is a message I like to leave the students with when I speak at schools. I like to say, you know, um, find your gift and your talent, and and know and trust and recognise that God has given you, given you a gift that nobody else has, and that never again in all of history will there be another you? There never has been and there never will be another you. And you were planted at this exact time. And to think that God, you know, created you and and chose for you to be here right now and gave you a gift, I think I encourage, especially high school students, like going, you know, about finished school, I like to say, spend some time um, alone within yourself and find your gift, discover it. It might be a sporting ability. It might be, you know, a really good talent at maths. It might be, you know, public speaking, whatever. And wherever that gift takes you, know that you can be of service wherever you find yourself. You know, I think the biggest thing, um, trap that I fell into in school was that I used to think to be of service, to answer that calling I had on my heart to be of service, that I needed to go to a third world country. I was convinced that I was going to go to Al and live in the slums like Mother Teresa did. I was convinced that that was the only way I was going to make a difference, but what I've come to see and realize and believe is that regardless if I'm going to be a footy player, regardless if I'm an accountant or a teacher or a doctor or a janitor, regardless of your talent and regardless of where you find yourself, just remember that you can always be of service, that wherever we find ourselves, there will always be an opportunity to help and give back um wherever we are and so to really lean into that and to spend this time as young people to um, not stress and dwell on you know where where am I going to go in the future and how is it all going to pan out because that'll that'll unfold in itself but to just remember along the way to always um, seek and look for the ways that we can make the world around us a better place and exactly what Tina said be Christ's hands and feet you know Um, yeah that would be my encouragement to you. I love that so much like young people
1: definitely do need to be reminded of that that they all have something each individual that they can give and that they can contribute to not only their school community but um, to make their whole life to make something of themselves to have a career to make a difference in the world that was just lovely what you said I loved it
3: yeah sorry Lib and just you just reminded me of something right before I unmute I myself completely Um the truth that you can make a difference as a young person. I, You know, when I finished school and I was thinking of like, oh, what I wanted to do, I, I used to believe that I had to finish a certain degree or meet a certain salary or, you know, get to a certain age before I could make a difference. But the truth is, you know what I said before about you finishing school, even that's not completely true. Even whilst you're at school, you can make a difference. You're never too young or it's never too early to To feed people because there are people in your school right now that are hungry for love and companionship and friendship and you can fill that void exactly where you are so i think yeah the last piece to, to wrap up my advice to you it would be to never doubt your abilities as a young person because yeah the young people of today are the future of tomorrow they are the leaders of tomorrow and the world needs you right now so yeah find what you can do right now and lean into because yeah you don't need to finish school to to make a big change
1: Tina and Nick, did you guys have anything else to add?
2: My, my advice to you would be to listen to Roseanne.
4: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but I also think, um, yeah, everything Roseanne said was like, wow, like really good. But also, the, yeah, like people say we're the, uh, the young people now are the future of the future, just the future, but we are also the now so yeah, like really, what Roseanne was saying, like find find what, what what your passion is, find what you love, and it'll take off from there.
0: Yeah, that's a great advice. So, um, do any of you have any questions or comments um, for us as Where's nothing. Mick?
3: That's my question. Where really, did Mick go? Is Mick frozen on anybody else?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: Um, so did you guys have any uh, questions or comments for us as members of the school, as well as the leaders of the school?
4: What's your... It might be a big question, but what's your vision as a leader? Like, what, what do you... Um, what opportunities do you think you can give others and also what opportunities do you reckon you'll be given?
1: if that makes sense. Um, well, for me, like one of the main things was when I went to the leadership camp, this was one of the big questions that we were asked and that we really had to think about. And one thing, the main one of the main things that I thought was everyone, even if you're not a leader, you need to know that you have the same um, purpose at the school as everyone else, that you can all contribute equal amounts to making the school a good place and to making sure that everyone um everyone has a part to play just being sure that you
0: know that that's one of the things for me mr queen always says um any idea is like a good idea and that's that's true we're like you know all equal we can all like contribute and we all have the ability as you said roseanne to like do something and change um make a change in our school in our community even if we're young even even if we're not leaders um, we are still, you know, the, the, the same. And, um, yeah, so our, our goals or, you know, vision for this year is probably going to be um, a bit different, but uh, we're still trying to kind of, um, you know, respond to students, the students' needs, what, what they need, what we need, um, and what we want to see um, different in the school. Although it's a wonderful place, we want to make it even better and, you know, for the future generations to... Also, um, continue what we're, what we're doing.
3: Good answers. Um, my my question might be uh, going back to your theme this year. I think it's so unique that you're the student le- leaders during like a global pandemic, which is like you know um, something that'll be in like his- history. And like you entered into these roles. Not knowing, but this is how the year was going to pan out, and then it has unfolded in this way. My question is, um, what's been, um, what has the pandemic, in what way has it allowed you to um, lean into your vision more, and in what way has it made it really difficult? So, sort of, what's been the blessing of it as a leader, and what's been something that's presented itself as a challenge to you in this time?
0: Um, for me, it kind of, I think it made the, made us more like resilient and and patient. Um, that's, that's a good thing, I guess. Um, the bad thing would be definitely not being able to have all the school events that we usually have every year. Like we, everyone, like every student in the school, you know, kind of enjoys these, these events and we wait for them. So that's,
7: that's a bit frustrating, but, um, yeah, we're still trying to, you know, kind of have other activities
0: or, um, things that we can do to, you know. Make up for that.
1: Make up for those things, yeah.
2: I don't Break have any, I don't have any questions for you, but I'm just in admiration of what you're doing. And uh, I actually <laughs> I I went on to the website because I it's a long time since I've had any contact with St Alban's, and I presumed you were a Year Twelve school. So I went onto the website this How afternoon to me? look at it and I was just checking. I was thinking, is that a year 10 school or a year 12 school? So I was, I mean, I'm even more in admiration of you, of what you're doing really uh, as year 10 leaders. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. All right. me, Dina, Roseanne, this is it for today. Again, thank you so much
0: for joining us. This has been such a beneficial and amazing experience for us. You were all amazing.
6: Thanks for
3: having me, having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank thank you. you for having us.
0: You're welcome.
1: Everything that you guys had to say was just awesome. We loved every single part of it.
3: Likewise, keep being, yeah, excellent role models for your school community. Incredible work. That's it. Keep it up.
1: Now we're joined by three ten girls from our school, Amy, Mary and Lucina.
0: Hey guys, how are you?
7: Hi, Hi. we're doing good.
0: Good. I how are good. you, Amy? I'm good, thank you. So Amy, Lucina and Mary are some of the students from our school who went to ACYF, Australian Catholic Youth Festival. Last year, for those who don't know what it is, it is a religious gathering that happens in Australia every two years. And young people from all over the country come together to celebrate their faith through music and um, other fun activities.
3: We were hoping you guys could
1: ask some questions and tell us about your experiences at ACYF.
0: So, first of all, what are some things that you learned from this experience? We'll go with Mary
5: first. Well, hi everyone. Um, during ACYF, I've learned how to properly repent when I go to church or when I talk to a priest. And I've learned the four S's, which is silence, sign, start, and surrender. And I've also learned that I can talk to Mary and not always God which I found that was really helpful, and it was really calming to me. So I reckon that's one of the most important things that I've learned through ACYF.
0: Mm-hmm, well, see. what about you?
5: Um, what I've learned
7: through my ACYF experience was to um, learn how to build and talk to God, whenever I'm feeling down or when I feel like I need help. I've also learned that you can always talk to Mary and um, whenever you feel like you can't speak to God, you can always speak to Mary. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Amy, what did you learn?
6: I learned that others can be represented as God and through ACYF, you can create a relationship with other young couples.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, would you three recommend ACYF to other people and if so why would you
5: encourage them to go Uh, we'll go with Mary first I would most definitely recommend ACYF like not only are you there to learn about God but it's a really fun experience just for you to get out of the classroom environment and the regular church environment and when you go there you're at festivals, you're at pilgrimaries I think yeah and it was just a different experience from what I've usually experienced like I've seen when we're at the Pilinaries every morning I've seen Lucina and people like people like Augustine who were really connected through the music that we've experienced. And I thought that was a really great thing because I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I do recommend it. I really recommend people going to ACYF. Like
1: I haven't been to ACYF, um, but with what you guys are saying, what, what else I've heard about it, um, I think it sounds awesome. And I think that I'd really like to
7: go. Cena, um, what about you? I will definitely recommend it because it can help you create a bond with God, especially for those who have been struggling, because for me before I left I like I would never pray, like sometimes I didn't even go to church and like I would struggle to find the meaning in praying. And I feel like the A C Y F experience helped me build a connection with God, I would say. And our youths nowadays nowadays um do you struggle a lot with that and i feel like the acyf would help this who do struggle to connect with god
0: mm, I, I i did go to acyf um and as mary said it was such an like a fun experience um like you learn about like you learn so many new things you meet new people um it's just a really really like fun and exciting thing um so yeah I, I would recommend it as well amy
6: I would recommend ACYF if you wanted to strengthen your relationship with God or just reconnect with Him. ACYF teaches you how to um, talk to other people your age about your faith, and the environment created was really peaceful and friendly. So it was just nice to take a break from learning in the classroom.
0: Everyone was like smiling all the time, and everyone was so positive, And you know, like you, you just feel like like you're connected and
5: yeah yeah and it was nice too because you could see that other people really enjoyed it and it wasn't like people were forced to go you can tell that they wanted to be there and they were enjoying the experience there and i thought that another thing that made acyf um enjoyable because everyone was just happy and everyone was just all laughing and i think that made it easier for people to connect with other schools and um teachers from other schools as well because everyone didn't have a serious face or like a mask on where it was hard to approach someone or like just stand next to someone. You felt like you were connected to everybody. And I thought that was, that was really, really nice.
0: And you're also like with people who, um, have the same goal and who went to ACYF for like the same, like purposes and, um, like share the same interests and all that. So I think that was really, really good.
5: Yes, most definitely.
0: Um, so, has your concept of faith changed due to this experience?
5: Um, well, when I was there, well, after the whole experience, at the start, I didn't really think it made a big difference. But then once like, I got home, I got to settle down, I could really feel that it made an impact to me, especially when I... I was going through a bit and then i thought about what i've actually learned there and i applied it to what i was going through so i didn't think it helped me at that moment but once i actually went back to my everyday life i really saw the impact that ACYF had on me Mm
0: -hmm. lucina what about you
7: i want to say um it changed my um perspective like on my faith i would have said that it strengthened my faith because it told me that you know no matter what you go through you can always turn to God you know God is always there with you and like what Mary said um you know I applied it to my life as well and you can really really tell the difference between before I went and after when I came back like yeah it just strengthened my relationship with God which was really good
0: Amy did it impact you in any way
7: Okay,
6: um, my faith grew uh, from the first day at the plenary where there was a lot of dancing and singing happening. But I was really shy and not really confident enough to sing and dance. But from the last day when um, Lysimo and Mary Galvana, when they all got up to dance, I, I joined them and that really um, grew for me because I didn't have that confidence before from that day one. Nice, nice. And I think that participating with everyone, it made the experience more enjoyable. Mm.
1: I just love hearing how it's changed all of you guys, since obviously I said that I didn't go. Um, I love hearing all of your experiences and how it's been different for all of you. Um, But is there anything you wish you would have seen or done? Is there something that you'd change about it? Something that you wish that um, uh, you would have seen or done?
5: Um, I wish the, the sessions were changed because I felt like after we've been there for about three days, I think it was, that it became a bit repetitive and we didn't know what to do. Um, I thought that we started just moving out of boredom because we didn't have, we went to most of the sessions already and there was nothing else for us to do. So I wish if the sessions were changed or like there was more stuff for us to do during the hours that we were at the convention center.
6: Okay. Yeah, but I think it's good because like you're free. You can go like anywhere. You can just speak whatever like lecture or um,
0: discussion session or whatever it is like that you want to attend. You can even like go outside, listen, go to the concert. So you're just like free. You can do whatever you want. I think that's
1: a good thing about it. Yeah.
7: Tina, what about you? I wouldn't... um, I wish we had more of those um, really large gatherings we had in the mornings, because I really like those, And also... Yeah, like what Mary said, maybe like more sessions, because... Yeah, like what Mary said. But um, yeah, I just wish we had more like of those large gatherings because I really liked it.
5: Okay,
7: Amy?
6: One of the days we had like a Melbourne um, concert by ourselves. I wish we actually um, broke up into different cities of Australia and then joined together because with everyone from Melbourne, we didn't really connect that well. Well, we were connected because we were from Melbourne, but we didn't meet others. And if we had more of a celebration, a smaller group, just meeting with like the 500 people, it would have been better. Yeah, I agree. So back to school and school environment, do you think the way
5: teachers teach religion at school is good? If not, how can they improve it? Um, I do think what we are learning has some of its flaws because i believe that when we're in re we tend to not do stuff related to our faith like they are related to our faith but then it doesn't strengthen anything to us like it's more so we want to get the task done we want to move on from it and i reckon that as we attend most of us struggle to interpret what scriptures are saying as for myself, I struggle to to like interpret what scripture is saying because I haven't been taught that. Like I haven't been taught how to interpret sc- scripture and I feel like if that was added to the curriculum, that would help other people and I feel like it would make them enjoy religion better and actually have a connection with God rather than saying, yep, I'm a Christian and moving on because they know what to do, they know what to expect, they know the... Meaning of what's said in the Bible, so they can actually like feel something towards it, and I feel like that is what could be added into our religion classes. And yeah, that's a really good answer.
7: Mm-hmm. So, you know, Mary really said it all, <laughs> but um, yeah, so um, I feel like the way t- teachers teach religion, I feel like it's. It's not bad, but like what Mary said, it's more of like, well, for me, it's more of the topics because I don't even remember reading anything in the Bible this year and it's been like more than half of the year. But uh, yeah, it's basically what Mary said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I wish it was more of a, like a fun subject instead of just like, Yeah.
7: I feel like that's that's maybe why people drop it. Like, as soon as they get 12.
0: Yeah, maybe like, if we go like on excursions or if we do more like outdoor activities, that would be like great. And a lot of
5: those things they can be repeated class. for lots of the years. Exactly, yeah. mm-hmm. and like, and we forget like as we grow into older year levels, we forget to like we forget the basic stories of the Bible that yeah. we were taught. Yeah. And I feel like what is being repeated is it's boring. Whereas those stories, it had like more. We had more activities with it. It had more. We had more fun with it, and it's sad to know that we are forgetting basic stories of the Bible. Yeah.
0: Um, Amy, you, do you think it needs improvement?
1: I don't well, think. Well, what do you think is good about the way that we teach religion at schools?
6: Uh, I like how um, we relate worldwide problems to have like a religious aspect to it. So we can talk about um, climate change and learn how uh, Catholic social teaching, how that can be connected to it, and yeah.
1: that yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I am liking that topic That's at cool. the moment. The um the Catholic social teachings. I'm I'm liking that. Um, how we're learning about uh, care for our common home, preferential option for the poor. Um, even though we did do that last year, it was a topic that I did enjoy.
0: Yeah. So like um, things like our global issues, like Mayor, um Amy said, like climate change or you know like justice. Like although they're not really related to like Jesus, Jesus or, or God or things like that, but it's still good to learn about these Yes.
5: Um,
0: and is there like anything from ACYF you'd like to see in school or included in the curriculum? Maybe like I don't know, I think something that you remember. And you'd like to do it at school, um, Mary? Um, you like to
5: go first.
0: I'm
5: not. I'm not sure, to be honest. But like something that I do like at school is when we go through the sustainability goals. I really like that. Or when we watch, like for example, in year nine, we watched. Um, we watched a movie and we had have. A yeah, and we had to um, go through the sustainability goals. And I found that enjoyable because, one, I like watching movies, but I felt like I could actually relate and like apply the sustainability goals into the movie and apply that to how it contributes to religion and what a good person of faith is meant to be like. So that's something that I like that we're doing at school.
1: That was the blind set, actually, that we watched for the sustainability goals? Yeah, with the um, the
7: football player. Yes. Yeah. Lucina? At ACYF, I like the workshops where they would break down like the rosary, they would break down prayers and stuff like that, that we, you know, that we just say, but we don't understand what we're praying about or what we're saying. So I feel like at school, I would like more of, um, teachers breaking down, like, meanings of the prayer and the rosary. I didn't even know how to pray the rosary until ACYF. So that, I would like that more at school.
0: Yeah, like what each word means and... Yeah, how they prayers, put it,
1: Yeah, it was yeah. really... And lastly, a nice question to finish off with. What was your favourite or the most memorable part or enjoyable part of the ACYF experience?
3: Mary, do you want to
5: start? My favourite... Part would have to be all the pl- pili, and I liked the last day where we went on that walk, and then we we had a outside like mass. I liked that. Mm.
0: Now Outdoor mass, casino.
7: My favorite part um, of my ACYF experience was definitely the last day and I liked how we would sing like worship songs and you know, that, was, that felt really like I could connect with God and it was, it was a really nice experience, so yeah.
1: Why was the last day your favorite? What happened on the last day?
7: Okay, the food, <laughs> um, nah, just kidding. The walk was <laughs> nice. I got to meet new people on the walk, so that was really nice.
5: Um, and oh also, yes, so we definitely did. Yeah, we definitely made friends. <laughs> Yeah.
7: and also when we did like that little church ritual i don't know what it's called but um but they handed up like communion and stuff and that was really nice and it was nice yeah
0: mm-hmm. amy what was your favorite part
6: i enjoyed the outdoor area where you could just sit down and relax after you have match or anything and that um there was live performance there you could just listen to the music and chill and talk to people. And I actually met one of my friends from work there. I didn't know he was going, but we just sat there and we really, we just talked about ACYF, and that we're surprised that we both went because we didn't talk about it before work, but now we can talk about it and how we remember things from last year, which is really nice. That's real nice. Mine would be um, the plenary sessions, Um,
0: they were really fun, you know, the energy and the atmosphere in the room was like amazing and uh, adoration, because like it's good sometimes to just have these quiet and peaceful moments. Um, Yeah, my my favorite memory would be um, when we sat with the choir on the first day, (laughs) I think Everyone thought that we were the choir, like we were going to sing, about, but we were late and we didn't have like any way to sit, so
5: I think that we were going to do um, Alright, so this is it for today. Um, thank you three so much for sharing your experience. It was fun talking to you guys. Yeah, we, thank hope, you. That you guys, we
1: hope that you guys enjoyed um, and loved
7: it as much as we did.
5: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you
7: so much.
0: Alright, guys, this brings us to the end of part two of the RE episode of the podcast.
1: We really hope you enjoyed all that was said and thank you all so much for tuning in and listening.
0: And a big thanks to our guest speakers for participating. Thanks so much, guys.
1: We hope to see you guys in episode three. So thank you and goodbye. (laughs)